Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Thanks so much for joining us today and welcome into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker, Scott Kirschner, Chaz Price, and myself. My name is Chris Swan. Really do appreciate you taking the time today. Here's how you reach out. 419-794-3030. That's the phone number once again. 419-794-3030. Online, always available day and night online, ARHQ.com. This week on the show, we're going to talk about the thing that can make a big difference when comparing two similar 401ks whether or not you need life insurance in retirement, and are you suffering from a retirement income gap? We're going to explain what that is and more, but first let me check in. Gentlemen, glad to be with you as always. How are we doing? Doing great. Uh, just had a nice Easter this past weekend with some family, and uh, it was good to get to see everybody. It's been a little while for me personally. This is Nolan since I've seen some of my uh, wife's side of the family, and, and uh, it, it was amazing the did the traditional hide the Easter eggs and uh, a lot of the kids are sure. quite a bit older. I sent my 20 year old uh, <laughs> hunt for Easter eggs and even my, my 16 year old was out hunting for Easter eggs. So good times. Yeah. You know, the weather was uh, fantastic this past week. We hit 70 uh, three or four times. And, um, you know, I actually spent Easter in Chicago. Hmm. Haven't been there in uh, probably about, oh, my gosh, it's been about 16 years or so that it's since I've been there. And I was there on a little volleyball trip. But I got to tell you this story real quick. It takes just a second here. But um, so we took my um, uh, my stepdaughter into a 7-Eleven and she's never had a Slurpee. Oh. She's 15. So we uh, we take her in there and we get her a Slurpee. And while standing in there, and this is in the corner of a downtown Chicago, you know, building, right? I'm standing there in these two young uh, a boy and a girl come walking in they walk over they grab some things off the shelf and they just walk out apple pay and i'm looking at them and i'm like <laughs> i said to the to the guy behind the 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 glass there and i said did they just walk out without paying he says yeah they do that all the time i turned the camera on got them on camera and i'm like that's crazy wow. they just they didn't even stop didn't even turn around didn't run they just casually walk right out of the store so there's another reason why our groceries and some of the stuff that we're paying for is so expensive but uh, it was crazy uh, fun time in chicago but uh, definitely wouldn't want to live there yeah definitely that's uh that's weird i know jim kramer talks about sometimes you're allowed to steal one thing yeah. retailers <laughs> let you steal one if you steal two you're going down yeah right? yeah uh our our holiday was nice too you always know when it's good food when you look around and everybody's asleep you know, mm-hmm. yeah. just knocked right. out watching the master. So good times. Those food comas, it's always about, you know, making those memories in, in retirement, whether it is uh, a longstanding traditions, new traditions, whatever it is, you want to make sure that one of the things that you don't do is have to worry about your retirement or heaven forbid, unretire. And so hopefully uh, things that we talk about this week on the show can give you some pointers into that. So let's go ahead and, and talk about something here that, that is pretty interesting, guys. One strategist to JP Morgan says he believes the market is going to retest last year's lows in the coming months, which would mean a drop of another 3,000 points or so. Look, I I know that nobody has a crystal ball, uh, and you should certainly be wary of anybody who does in their office. But if people hear this and they're losing sleep over a headline like that, uh, what do you want to tell them? What should they do? 
Well, I think, you know, when you wake up and you look at the news, there are going to be headlines all the time. You have to realize that, you know, news is designed to sell based upon emotions. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, we've been on the radio for over 20 years now. But if you're worried about this, I think what you can do is you can turn uh, this maybe panic, if you will, or thought of losing sleep into actually creating an opportunity. I mean, if we go back to the basics of investing, you you buy low and you sell high. So. What I think is a good idea here is I'm going to give you three tips and three ideas and talk to you about, you know, how to uh, attack a decreasing market. Uh, first of all, I think what you want to do is number one is look at do you have a long term plan of being invested? So when we get together and we walk people through the independent income system, one of the final buckets that we have is our long term care bucket. Chaz, I know we had a client that we met with just the other day and what we had talked about is talked about the first three buckets were buckets designed to provide income for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so his long-term bucket was really designed for money that he didn't need for longer than 10 years out. So by having that bucket and knowing that it wasn't money he had to touch for 10 years, he really doesn't have to worry so much about, you know, what's the market going to do next week or next month. He had time on his side. An article that Warren Buffett wrote uh, back in the crash of 2008, and short term, the market continued to go long down, but long term, that turned out to be great. So long term, timing isn't at big of a deal. Number two is, I would say, step left, not out. And I, I give you another example. I had a client that came in. She said, you know, I can't stand this administration, what's happening with the economy, the market. Until this administration has gone, I just want to get out of the market and uh, be done with the market. And the, the challenge about that is you're physically locking in, if your account's down, any declines that you had. So like in 2022, if your portfolio is down, if you go to the sidelines, you're not playing the game anymore. You're, you're out of it. By going left, what we're able to do is we're able to show her a couple of different strategies that allows her to participate uh, if and when the market recovers, but be able to kind of reduce or even eliminate, you know, the downturns if the market went down. So we use uh, things and talk to her about things like what's called buffered ETFs. Uh, also, things like fixed index annuities can help you draw a line in the sand that says no more negatives, you know, look to participate moving forward. Uh, number three is I would say buy at a predetermined point. If the market drops, say, 15 percent, you know, again, buy low. If the market drops more and it's down 25 percent, buy more. So just think about the basics of investing. It's simple. Buy low, sell high. Working with a financial professional can help you hold your hand and turn what may seem like a panic into an opportunity. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say what you're referring to is upgrading quality. And so it's important during recessionary periods of time when the market's going down, first of all, not to panic. Make sure you don't do any knee-jerk reactions uh, because the market is cyclical. You know, we can say for sure that we've personally lived through three or four market downturns. We've recovered every time. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when we look back and when I personally look back, I'll speak for myself. Those are some of the best buying opportunities we've ever had. You know, think about COVID for instance, it was a scary time, but sure. it really was a great time to be buying. And so I think what you can take comfort in in a down market is that some of these bellwether stocks, some of these companies, we call them blue chips um, because you know, we're poker players, you know, out there, if you're any listening, the blue chip is usually the most expensive chip on the table. And so those are the companies that you want to own. And that's what I mean by focusing on quality in a downturn, that you can pick up some of the companies that have traditionally been overpriced because they've skyrocketed up over the years. But 
maybe down, now they're down, market's putting a low price on them. We don't have to accept that price. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll see what the market's going to offer us for our stocks then. But um, upgrading quality, uh, upgrading stocks, maybe from what you have, what we call flyers to the companies that have strong financials, that have little to no debt, stable earnings, solid management, I think is a good strategy. So don't panic, focus on upgrading quality. Um, and also consider dollar cost averaging, just kind of going back to some of the blocking and tackling when you're faced with challenges, your training, I think, as, a, as an athlete, every, everybody here on the table um, knows that when you're faced with adversity, that's generally what you refer back to as your training and your, and your knowledge. And so dollar cost averaging is the process of buying in increments over a period of time instead of trying to put all your money in at one time and you lock in that price point and to Nolan's first point, you know, when you're selling, if you decide to get out, you know, completely out of the market, what do I always say, you have to be right two times. You have to be out uh, right on the way out and then you have to be right on the way back mm -hmm. in. Otherwise you're toast. So uh, I think those three things are, are important to take away. Don't panic, focus on upgrading quality and consider dollar cost averaging into, and I'm going to say also out of the market. So if you're really dead set on getting out, reducing equity, sell in increments maybe in, in, into a down market and then be willing and prepared to buy on the way back in. As the great Kenny Rogers, uh, late great Kenny Rogers once said, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Mm -hmm. And any financial plan worth its salt is going to know there is going to be market fluctuation over the course of your 20, 30 year retirement. If you know the past couple of years have been a wake up call for you because you just thought or your advisor just thought that the market was going to do nothing but go up. Well, it is certainly a time to reassess that, and there's no better time like the present. Give a call to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. Let them show you, you know, how to turn uh, these these situations of financial duress into, you know, possible opportunities. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. You can also go to the website, arhq.com. So many people out there think retirement planning, you know, starts when you're in your 60s, when you're in that retirement red zone. But the truth of it, as we said many times here on the show. It's never really too early to start planning for your retirement. And actually, there are actionable items you could do at any phase of your life. If you're in your 50s, for example, the website Go Banking Rate says it is time to figure out your retirement income gap. So before we dive into that, let's take a step back. What is an income gap? And then how do you go about calculating that? Uh, there is a, a couple of good ways to take a look at the income gap. And I think, you know, for those of you that are looking to plan ahead, you know, knowing what your income gap is, is I think crucial. Uh, we have been doing a lot of presentations talking about this. It, it goes back to one is we talked about social security. And, you know, one of the things that we've uh, had as a common observation for a lot of folks, it doesn't make sense to draw social security early and take a lifetime penalty before taking it for your full retirement age. In fact, in some cases, it may wait uh, and may be more beneficial to wait until later in life past your full retirement age because you get that automatic increase. Now, in that case, you could have a gap because you're not drawing Social Security, and so you need to figure out how much is the gap to bridge from when you retire to when you turn on Social Security. That's one gap to take a look at, and that's exactly what our office can do. In fact, we can run that Social Security optimization report, show you how to get you know, more income towards retirement and what might be your best approach. But number two is looking at uh, what is called the income gap for your total lifetime income. Uh, what we oftentimes do in number two is you want to look at what is your ideal monthly income. So what do you need to have every month as reliable income? 
And I think all roads lead to income, whether they're you know buying an annuity, Scott, mm -hmm. from the insurance mm -hmm. side or whether they're buying stocks on the investment side. I mean, all roads ultimately intersect and lead towards wanting to have income in retirement time. And when we look at that income, what we're looking at is what does it take for minimum monthly income? And then the gap question that I would have is how much of that is provided by, you know, things that are strong income sources, things that are income that you could count on, you know, for a set period of time or for the rest of your life. That would be things like your Social Security income. That would be things like a pension income. Uh, that could be annuity income if you have some income. So this calculator on the Portfolio Reliance Calculator will help us show us what is the gap on reliable income versus what an individual has in their portfolio. And by doing that, what it does is it shows the portfolio withdrawal rate. So you're able to make some adjustments and say, does it make sense to maybe move some of my investment portfolio to cover the income gap into something that has more predictable income? And if so, how would that impact the portfolio withdrawal rate? Chaz, we were just recently working on another case and when we looked at it, you know, there was a, a pretty big gap. The withdrawal rate that this person had was about a 3% withdrawal rate per year. Now, on the surface, I think that is pretty realistic. By, by shifting some money over into more predictable income and having another source that provided more income, uh, in this case, we could use like an annuity either for a period certain or we could use an annuity that provided an income rider for life. By shifting money over, reducing the amount of money that's subject to the unknowns of the stock market, what we're able to do is reduce the withdrawal rate from 3% down under 2%. So that means that investment assets, um, most likely you could probably cover that just through dividends and interest alone, uh, was another way to, to take a look at how to cover what the income gap is. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of income gaps that you want to look at in retirement time. You know, one is the income gap that if you need to bridge the gap between retirement and Social Security, uh, you can do that. The other one is bridging the gap between, um, you know, what you need on a monthly basis and figuring out how much more is predictable. The other gap that I see a lot of times is people decide to retire early, which is great. And sure. if you feel like you're in a good position and you want to retire before the age 65, the other gap to take a look at is the healthcare gap. Yeah, absolutely. You need to make sure that you have that gap covered as well, because you're going to be looking at out-of-pocket expenses uh, when if you retire early where you're going to have to go on a health insurance plan if you're not afforded any coverage through a spouse's employer. You retire early, you're going to have to have an in, uh, um, a health insurance plan through the marketplace. And it's uh, income-based, reportable income. So there's ways, and this is why we work together so well, There's there are ways to lower that reportable income to get you uh, a little more manageable uh, health care cost if you do retire early. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if you don't retire early, you you still need to be prepared for that Medicare cost out-of-pocket expenses for those things that are, may not be covered by Medicare. Long-term care is, is one of those. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a good point. I mean, it you know starts out by looking at the beginning years mm -hmm. and then going all the way to the end, looking at kind of more the end goals. And Chaz, I know, again, we were working on a case together. I think that's one of the great things about a team approach is getting a couple set of eyes to be able to take a look at this. And when we were going through this plan, what we were doing is we were working with this person getting ready to retire. 
And we were showing him the level of confidence that he had overall within his plan. So not only addressing the income gaps, we were helping him gain better confidence about the investment decisions and allocations. And you know, one of the things that jumped out to me is when we were running that analysis, we added the issue of what happens if he down the road towards the end of his life needed long-term care and found out there was a pretty big income gap there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that long-term care is not an issue that people really like to talk much about. I mean, it's never fun thinking about getting older and slowing down or even things like nursing homes. But the advantage of talking about it now while he's younger is, you know, he's got time to develop some solutions and ideas. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people end up in a crisis mode, and that's where this big income gap at the end happens. And so, you know, helping develop a plan that says if you or a loved one needs long-term care, how do we keep you out of a facility can help also with that income gap down the road. So a lot of ways, Chaz, what do you think about income gaps and how do you help people fill those gaps and how do you help people calculate the income gaps in retirement? Yeah, well, you guys have just described some of the main ones and I, I would just kind of organize those thoughts into kind of phases for our clients. And what we've described really are some of the expenses in an early phase, a mid phase, and then the late stages of retirement. And during the earlier phases, as you mentioned, Social Security, you've got some flexibility there to, to decide when you want to take it. And so if you decide not to take Social Security as soon as you retire, let's say you retire at 65 and you're going to hold off until full retirement, which may be for 67 for you, on that cash flows analysis that's part of that income retirement income analysis that we run, it'll show some pretty big cash flows early in retirement. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, but we know that going into it because we're waiting for Social Security. But then once Social Security hits, the cash flows, the gap that you have for the rest of, let's say, your mid-retirement years is much lower. Uh, and then in those last years, the, the final stages of retirement, when you have health care, you know, you're still going to have those gaps. But really what we're looking to do is when you add up all of the years of income gap, that's the nest egg that you need to have to retire. And if we're able to identify one scenario, i.e. taking Social Security at 67 and compare the the gap that's Mm -hmm. the nest egg that's necessary for that scenario, compare it to another scenario where we take Social Security at 70 and look at the gap in the total cash flows and and nest egg needed. If, you know, a rational person would say, I want to retire using the method that requires the least amount of money. And in, in the, the scenario that requires you to, to have the least amount of money is generally the one that has the highest probability of success. But there's just a lot that goes into it, the Social Security, the health care, uh, and then the long-term care component. So the, the beauty of the financial planning process is it's different for everybody. It's kind of like I use the analogy all the time of painting a picture in the form of cash flows. And the picture I paint of you is going to look a lot different than the one I paint of Nolan. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our job. That's sure. what we'll do as a team is paint your retirement picture, make the, make the cash flows and, and the plan look like what you want, essentially. Yeah, and keep in mind, I mean, this is the entire process that we put together here at America's Retirement Headquarters. It's called the Independent Income System. So if you get a chance, feel free to Google Independent Income System, or if you also get a minute, go over to our YouTube channel, Uh, You can click on the link and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, just type in America's Retirement Headquarters. We've got several videos talking about, you know, how to create a retirement income plan, 
uh, on this particular topic. So if you're listening, you're close to or in retirement time and income is your goal, uh, just like Chaz said, our goal is to help you get the most income in retirement time for the least amount of dollars. And if you're not sure if your plan is going to accomplish that, that's why we can take you through some of these tools that we have available for you. It's real simple to reach out. Give a call, 419-794-3030, or you can go to the website, arhq.com. I mentioned a second ago that, you know, this is an actionable thing people in their 50s should should start doing is creating, uh, figuring out what their retirement income gap is going to be. I'm aware of the fact that we may have viewers and listeners that are a little bit past their 50s. And uh, as I said, where it's never too early to start planning for retirement, it's never really too late. Go ahead and start taking those steps now and figure out what you need to do to get you to, through, and beyond retirement. 419-794-3030, ARHQ.com. Now, retiring early may sound great, but are you really ready for it? Here's a woman on TikTok who retired at the age of 54. I can tell you that retiring early wasn't the dream for me. And as luxurious as it sounds to sleep in every single day, it's not. I had always loved Fridays, but when you have suddenly six Saturdays and a Sunday, Friday loses its magic. And when Friday lost its magic, I lost my sparkle. Reminds me of kids during the summer where, you know, the first month it's it's a lot of fun. And then by the end of it, they're, they're kind of bored. I mean, having the finances to retire early is certainly one thing. But when you guys talk and develop plans with people, do you also talk to them about what they're retiring to? I think it really does. It comes down of going from success to significance. It comes about of, you know, how do you take everything that you've worked your lifetime to accumulate and go from a point in your life to make significance in the world, um, some of the things that are important to you, uh, and, and taking a look at things. I, I could say that, you know, I wouldn't mind to test drive a retirement for a little while. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, I did some great things with my kids during spring break, and I could see myself on another cruise ship eating uh, endless amounts of ice cream. <laughs> um, but I, I know at some point, right, my, my pants won't fit anymore. Sure, right. <laughs> and I'm going to have to get up and, and stay healthy. And uh, even at home, I mean, if I if I lay around the house over a weekend and I don't get a couple projects done, I feel like I kind of wasted mm-hmm. the weekend. So there, there is part of that, but there's also part of, you know, this is giving you an opportunity. I think when we, we talk with the retirees that we work with, I think they all have a, a dream and a vision for what retirement is. And I'd say the first thing that I would say when I'm talking with clients is, uh, their first thought is freedom. You know, right. they, they want to be able to retire when they want to retire on the terms that they want to retire. And they want to know that they're not going to have to go back later in life and be forced to work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if they find something that they want to do, then, you know, they can do that as a choice. Uh, but I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and helping people write out kind of what that blueprint looks like in the future uh, is something that's really important. In fact, it's something so important uh, we're going to be having an event coming up. It's June 13th over at Hooves, uh, which is where we use rescue horses to rescue veterans with post-traumatic stress. Uh, Amanda Held and uh, our group and our team, I-, I can't think of a better mission than what they're doing with helping people write that blueprint for life. So you get to come meet some of the new wild Mustangs that we just rescued from California. I think we're the only organization that I know of in Northwest Ohio that has wild Mustangs uh, to see some of other horses to actually starting to talk about how do you write that blueprint for your life? How do you write a blueprint for success to significance and how can you take those steps? 
Uh, that event, just a heads up, it's uh, June 13th over at Hooves here in uh, Toledo, Ohio area. Of course, all of our events are online at ARHQ.com. You can uh, sign up for that event uh, if you're going to retire early or uh, even if you're going to retire uh, later in life. That's how you could do that. But I know that you run into this, guys, too. And so when you talk to people, I think, you know, Scott, I would say in your situation where people are looking to retire early, uh, I know health insurance is probably mm -hmm. also a big topic, but what other things are you telling people and talking to people about? Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with that. And like what Nolan said, take, you know, kind of test driving. There, if you guys are readers, any of our listeners out there, I would recommend um, book uh, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, if you guys have ever read that. And he talks about a concept in that book of mini retirements, taking a month or two off mm -hmm. throughout, you know, your working years for the most part to travel pursue any hobbies, maybe even uh, explore new interests or new jobs. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, what you said, Scott, is true. You got to keep that, um, you got to keep your skills up in retirement if you're sure. going to uh, retire early, if it's volunteering, um, just gaining new perspectives, travel around the world, things like that to recharge yourself, to, to kind of recreate and reinvigorate yourself for the long term. And, and really, we can help you do that as well. That just involves, you know, in, in the book, he talks about things like automation, you know, and making sure that a, a lot of your your processes and systems in your business are automated, having virtual assistance and just kind of scheduling things the right way. Um, you know, making sure you have the cash flows for those, right. those assistance and things like that. And uh, your cash flows for your travel and your business expenses and all that. So we can help you with that in your financial plan. But yeah, I'd agree. I think many retirements, a lot of them would be a lot better than an early retirement. The beauty of a test drive is that if you find something that isn't working for you, like test driving a car, well, you can go back to the drawing board. You're not, you're not fully committed to it. There is a little bit of homework that you have to do prior to retiring. That is figuring out what you want to retire to. The team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they're not going to say, oh, you should take up golf or you should go, you know, see every ballpark. It's what you want to do. But then their job is to help make those retirement dreams into a retirement reality. So uh, when you're ready to have that conversation, 419-794-3030 is the phone number. The website, ARHQ.com. Life insurance is something that uh, a lot of us kind of understand to an extent. You know, you die and there is a death benefit that goes. There was a story that I read on Yahoo Finance, talked about some of the big money purchases that might eat up more of your retirement money than expected. Things like installing a swimming pool, paying for your child's wedding, purchasing a timeshare, and buying life insurance. Uh, guys, is there ever an instance where buying a life insurance policy might be a good idea? It's a great question. I mean, I have a kid in high school and one in college, and uh, you know, I have a wife that has a full-time job really taking care of the family and the house. And, you know, I, I have a lot of life insurance. I think, you know, I've maybe got past that first phase. Uh, in September of last year, I paid off my mortgage. A lot of times people will say, well, I need enough life insurance to pay off the house if we die young. And, you know, my thought process is I still need insurance Why I, I have young children that get into their, you know, 30s. Maybe my insurance need goes down. But there's three takeaways, I'd say, for those of you that are listening and you're wondering that question, do I need life insurance in retirement, is number one, income replacement. Number two is passing money on to your loved ones. And with number three, it's looking at long-term care. So as you know, we look and we dive into those topics, you know, all roads for retirement time lead to income. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about a, a husband and wife, uh, each probably have social security uh, or they maybe have some type of pension. You know, there, there's gonna be some type of loss of income if one of the two of them pass away uh, 
it's almost a bigger issue, I would say, in what you refer to, Chad, is, is called the go-go years. Mm. So in those younger years, heaven forbid, if there's a premature death, you know, we want to make sure that we look at the income replacement for that surviving spouse. Because if somebody passes away, the expenses aren't going to just be cut in half. You know, you're, right. you're still going to have 60, 70, 80 percent of the same expenses, Absolutely. even after one person passes away. So for income replacement, we have the software. We can run a capital needs analysis and help you answer that question when you look at your own family situation, how much income that you need. Now, the the second issue is using life insurance to pass your money on to your loved ones. In this case, we look at a lot of folks who have and are forced to take out what's called required minimum distribution. So, you know, every year they have to take money out of their retirement account because mm -hmm. they're over the age 73. And whether they need the money or not, the government's forcing them to take money out. Otherwise, they face a, a substantial tax penalty for failure to do so. Or people have done a good enough job. They've built up a big nest egg and they've built this retirement war chest that they're probably not gonna spend it all. Well, with a traditional retirement account, passing retirement dollars on to children or other loved ones besides your spouse is not usually the most efficient way from an estate planning perspective. And life insurance can be a great vehicle to pass wealth on. Keep in mind that what we think about is one way to keep and create wealth is to keep the government away from your money. And life insurance for hundreds of years has been used as a vehicle to pass income tax-free, probate-free cash onto your loved ones if you set up and follow the properly named beneficiary designations and make all that happen. And the, the third area that's become so much more uh, important, I think, today with the planning process is these hybrid policies. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is that's a long-term care policy that, or I should say a life insurance policy that includes uh, what would look like long-term care benefits. So critical chronic terminal illness benefits where you can accelerate those benefits while you're alive and be able to use them now guys i don't know about you two but um you know are those the type of vehicles when you're looking at it and what are the type of things when you're looking at you know do i need life insurance in retirement you're meeting with clients what are the answers that you guys are talking about well no that's that's a great point because the, you know the long-term care policies today are not the long-term care of old it's totally different um uh, one big thing to keep in mind though with life insurance um the older you are obviously the more it's going to cost but the other thing to keep in mind is it is medically underwritten and some people uh, that are looking at any type of health issues or illnesses, you know, those are things that are going to maybe prevent you from getting that type of policy. So buying that before you get to the stage of needing something is always, uh, you know, a better option because the proceeds from life insurance are passed on tax-free you know i run into a lot of people that ask questions about uh social security and i was talking to a couple this this past week and um the wife was saying well what are my options if he passes away about taking um you know social security because i'm going to lose mine you know i get survivor well that's going to be lower than what you were getting when you were both collecting social security mm -hmm. so even if you're replacing income prior to you know retirement you still have an opportunity with life insurance to replace income after retirement yeah absolutely and that kind of refers to the concept or the the methodology that 
that I use to calculate the life insurance need, which is called the human life value. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't put a value on a human life, obviously, but there's uh, the human life value is kind of an approach that we use to calculate a person's uh, insurance needs. And what we do basically is we look for uh, what their future earnings potential was. And so that, Scott, draws into consideration. It may not be the same at all points of your life. Sure. But when you take a look at what someone's future earnings potential is, and then you you know kind of look at that earnings potential for how many years they had to work, uh, when you look at that, that total there, that's kind of how we calculate the you know, the value of your work and, and the contribution that you're bringing into the household. And so then it just becomes, you know, kind of accounting for the the differences in income needs that you're going to have when one spouse passes away. You know, do we how much do we deduct as an estimate of what that person's expenses were from that lifestyle, from that income coming in? And then we factor in inflation and kind of just back it, get into today using, you know, complex uh, present value calculations, basically, but we can tell you how much money we would need today if, God forbid, someone passed away. We expected them to earn a certain amount of money for this period of time, and then subtract from that figure the insurance that you have currently. And that- you know, I kind of also related it to like diversification. We talked about that in in many many of our shows, um, and one of the things that I would always tell a, a prospective client contemplating life insurance is, it's a piece of the investment pie. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole pie, right? But it's a piece of that investment pie, and it's something that everybody should be prepared for. Absolutely. There is more to life insurance than just that that death benefit. A lot of different ways that it can be utilized, and it could be a valuable part of a retirement strategy beyond just, you know, replacing that income after you've passed on to explore the options and see if it could be a part of your retirement pie. Give a call 419-794-3030. You can also text if you prefer 419-909-3828. Let's do some hypotheticals here, guys. I want you to take two retirement savers with the same amount of money invested in the same funds for the same time frame in their 401ks. Just surface level, you would think they would have the same results, but one could actually outperform the other by almost 10%, and the reason for that would be fees. The Morningstar Financial site has found that the fees for a small company 401k can be almost double those for larger companies. So I know a fee analysis is something you guys do for clients, and if you were to do this and found this to be the case, what would be the next step? You know, looking at fees is, I think, a crucial part in looking at the success of building on an overall plan. I mean, when you look at it over the long term, fees really do count. One of the things that I tell people is the cheapest isn't always the best, but there are a lot of financial products that we look at in the marketplace today that when you add it up and you start adding in all of the layers of fees and expenses that it's associated with it, it oftentimes is stacked against the you know, investor, the, it's stacked in favor of the house. And so, you know, one of the key components, I believe, is looking at fees and making sure that you're trying to reduce or eliminate fees and expenses. There's a lot, of, I think, great companies that are out there today. There's several to choose from, whether it's, you know, Vanguard or Charles Schwab or Fidelity. And, you know, these companies are on a mission to try to lower costs down as much as possible. I know like in our portfolio, you know, we talk about different companies that we love to own, invest, you know, these higher quality cash rich, low debt companies. And, you know, in many cases today, we can go direct to the market and purchase these. And, and, you know, with some of these custodians or the holders of money that have eliminated trading expenses, uh, you can really reduce some of the expenses down. 
we also have clients that will come in here and you know they'll before their clients have investments at other investment firms and i'll take a look at them and you'll add them up and you'll be like you know it's three or four percent in total fees and expenses and so if you ask somebody you know what's your expected rate of return and if their expectation is that the market's going to earn six to eight percent and every year they're giving out three or four percent they're you know giving away half of their return every single year the other exercise that i think is important for investors to look at when you're looking at you know how do fees work on investments is look at breaking down the definition of total return so most investors will only look at the bottom line number they'll look at you know what their statement said that their total return was for the year but what i want you to do is i want you to break that down into growth plus income minus fees equals total return so the growth is the ups and downs of the stock and bond prices the income is the amount that you get that's predictable income from like bond interest payments or dividend income. And when you minus fees, that's the total cost. You need to have your, in my opinion, income higher than what your fees and expenses are because otherwise you're starting off January 1st in the red and you're just hoping that the market grows faster to offset the fees and expenses. So you want to start off in the positive. And you know, one of the ways that we can do that is through an independent portfolio analysis. We can pull back the layers and take a look and show you how to point out exactly what your fees and expenses are. And then look at those areas. I mean, for the ones that add value, that's great. But for the ones that are not adding value, try to figure out how do you eliminate some of those fees and expenses. You know, in this example, they talked about how the fees could be double for a smaller company's 401k than a larger company. Well, in a lot of cases, if you're over the age 59 and a half, it may have the ability where you could do a self-directed IRA rollout, meaning that you could take that money out of your 401k choose a lower cost option if that was what was in your best interest and then have a plan that was able to be more cost effective you know once you reach a certain age and i don't know about you guys but i think fees really is a cornerstone to you know being successful long term when it comes to investing yeah i agree and in, in fact fees uh, have so many implications to the financial plan for one i always describe fees as that the one area or one of the few areas that you can control we can't control what happens in the market we can't control you know what politician might be in mm -hmm. office at the time but we can control how much we pay for things and so um i've always been an advocate of if you know fee is really only ever an issue in the absence of value if i'm not getting anything for it we're certainly not going to make you pay for a fee that you don't need and so that's generally one of the main principles that i believe we stand for for here at the retirement guys which is that fees matter absolutely and so one of the things that we help our clients do is determine where all the different source of fee is coming from in their portfolios and that's one of the issues that i have a strong issue that i have with the retirement industry in general but particularly in the 401k space is because they're not really required to report the fees and to make them as transparent as we are in i'm going to call it the retail space if you will but you know outside of the group employer plan space the 401ks 403bs there's just it's just not a lot of transparency sure. and so it's difficult for the un, uneducated client or, or uh, uninitiated client i should say to um, be able to figure it out where the source of expense is coming from as you had mentioned earlier, Nolan, there's a lot of categories of expense and investments. The first and probably the most common is what we call the expense ratio. 
And the expense ratio is a cost for uh, and most mutual funds charge this, exchange traded funds, and pretty much any other investment vehicle. But it's usually expressed as a percent. It's for administrative and management uh, operational expenses of the fund itself. So, for instance, if you had a $100,000 investment, it's a 1% fee, you pay $1,000 per year. You also have commissions in some cases. Uh, brokers are in, in other sales ad advisors are paid commissions for matching up buyers and sellers. That's a brokerage transaction, generates commissions. You also have advisory fees in some cases where you're not, you know, you can buy and sell as much as you want, but you pay for the advice, the quality of the advice of, that you're receiving from the advisor as a percentage of the assets that the advisor is managing. And then in some cases there's custodial fees from the actual person or company um, that are, that are, where the assets are held. But one of the takeaways here, I think, is the way that the retirement guys, we choose to register with um, you know, the regulatory agencies and the things that we do here at the firm, um, in many cases, put us in the position of a fiduciary, which means regardless of what hat we might be wearing in that particular instance or, or, or situation, you can always rest assured that you know, we're documenting the policies and the procedures and the methodologies that we used to make our decisions. Uh, doesn't mean we're always right, but it means that we have a process and that um, we can document how these recommendations are putting our clients in the best position they can be in. You know, I know when uh, I first started in a working environment, I had a 401k. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden I get notifications that they're changing things over to from a shares to b shares mm -hmm. and i'm like okay what the heck is this i had no idea at the time what was going on with that um and what i was told was well we switched things over because of fees mm -hmm. it's costing us less for a different type of investment for the 401k uh does that still happen absolutely it happens and and uh, I, I would say you were blessed and that your company at the time had fiduciaries and plan you know sponsors and administrators in the role that we're doing that ongoing research and monitoring and, and comparison of the fees in the plan because as the plan grows as Chris had mentioned earlier in the segment the larger the plans like anything else enjoy economies of scale the more people you have contributing to a health plan a group mm -hmm. plan the cheaper generally it is sure and so it's the same concept with investments when you pool your investments you should generally receive lower pricing um, and at certain increments and breakpoints along the way, I think it does make sense for you to reevaluate and to say, hey, what are we paying for? Why are we paying it more importantly? And is there a better option? And we do have a division here at the Retirement Guys. If you're a small business owner or anybody that may be thinking about implementing a 401k plan or some sort of employer plan uh, where you want to sponsor uh, a program or a benefit to to help your re, your employees retire more comfortably give us a call we'd be happy to um, take you through that scenario and, and what we offer and that number is 419-794-3030 it's not to say that all fees are bad but it comes back to what nolan and Chaz both said value are you getting value for what you are paying we all know you know if cable prices are a little too high you know, we all have that conversation about cutting the cord when it comes to our 401ks our investments we don't all necessarily know how much we're paying in fees, so it's really difficult to assess what that value is, and that is where having something like that independent portfolio analysis, uh, having that done, can really come in handy, show you what you are paying, and if you realize, if you decide you're not getting that value, being able to look at other alternatives. But it starts with that phone call, 419-794-3030 or ARHQ.com. 
Now, speaking of value and, you know, it's the right season, let's talk about how much it costs to be a Major League Baseball fan. If your intention is to go to the ballpark, you need to bust out your wallet. The average ticket price this year, around $30. That's just for the ticket, though. The average fan spends about $50 more on concessions, parking, and merch. So let's run some numbers. If you take in five games, you're looking at spending about $400 a year. Now, there is nothing like seeing a game in person, but... For the fun of it, let's say, let's talk about what happens if somebody would have invested that money and, you know, maybe stayed home to watch the games on TV instead. Well, you know, this is actually great because um, three weeks ago I was in St. Louis for opening day. There were 46,000 people there. Mm. After the game, those people didn't just get in their cars and go home. Those people were hanging out. There was all kinds of merchandise, hats, and and a lot of um, adult beverages being spread around. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, I was in Chicago, and uh, the Cubbies were in town. And I, um, unfortunately, I had other commitments, so I couldn't go to either one of those games. But you know, we're not saying don't necessarily pamper yourself and do these things. Right. But I think it's very, very important to understand where all of your money is going. You mm-hmm. know, because if you're spending this kind of money. Think about some of maybe your subscriptions that are automatically being taken off your charge card, you know, that you're paying for that you may not even be using anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we all probably have those that we can be talking about. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Before the segment, we were just kind of talking about uh, our weekend plans, and um, I'll be upfront and honest. You know, I had my my fiancé took me for my first pedicure ever, um, and it it was awesome. You know, he had a great time. Those are fun. It was fun, (laughs) Yeah. right? But uh, as we're, you know, I'm checking out and, you know, it's like, okay, it's like 150 bucks. I'm like, wow, you know, it's, those are big time expenses. Not saying it's not totally worth it, but my, my takeaway or my point is um, when you're estimating for retirement expenses, you want to try to be as accurate as possible, you know, mm-hmm. and, and make sure that you've got as much detail going into the plan because, you know, good things in, good things out. So if we put good t- details into the plan, we're going to get a good output. But, you know, those are some of the small expenses that I think can sometimes have a significant impact over time if they're not properly accounted for. So as you said, Scott, maybe it's not baseball or sports, but maybe it's dining out. I know those are sure. big ones that when I'm walking through a financial plan and trying to, again, estimate those expected cash flows, um, are you packing lunches and cooking meals uh, when you travel or are you planning on going out a lot? You know, So those are some things that you want to uh, definitely take a look at. You know, your subscription services, I know, you know, you can really run those up real quick um, and just not even know it. You know, cut cable, but then you have six other subscription services that actually sure. were more than cable. Unused gym memberships, uh, some of those impulse, those fun buys, home expenses. Uh, those are also things that, you know, crop up often, um, you know, properly estimating utilities, all those different, you know, your internet and all those different expenses. So I think my takeaway would be, uh, when we're doing a financial plan, either, you know, know very accurately what you're planning on spending, at least the basics, you know, we're not expecting you to know what expenses for emergencies are going to come up or unforeseen travel, uh, expenses or any other hobbies that you maybe don't have yet. Uh, if you don't exactly know what or don't want to go through the exercise of detailing out every single item that you spend, a real quick rule of thumb that I typically give people is take your pre-retirement income, subtract from it the percent that you pay for Social Security taxes, which is about 7.65% up to a certain level. Um, take from that figure your retirement savings and then any mortgage payments, just the principal and interest, not the uh, taxes and insurance. 
But you subtract from that, and that's pretty much what you're paying and what you're spending in retirement. That's your replacement income, what we call. Yeah, I'd say, you know, what's been real beneficial for me is my family and I, we use the financial planning software that we talk with a lot of our clients about. Um, that software is called Right Capital. Um, it, it just helps you really kind of get a plan together in place. And, you know, planning is going to be the best solution here to figure out, you know, are those smaller expenses going to have a big impact on your retirement? And, you know, if you could shift some dollars from here to there, I think is a good way to do that. Uh, if you're not using financial planning to aggregate your account information, uh, what I like is it can log into my credit cards. It can pull that information. You know, your credit cards, you could take a look at that, look at where you're spending your money. What my wife and I, we do is every uh, six months, we'll take a look at what those expenses are because you're right. Some of those subscription-based models, they really, you know, start out as small expenses, but they have a big impact on retirement. I switched recently to the streaming uh, with my cable service and it did go down, but you're correct. I mean, I have some of the other subscriptions that go along with it. And I was asking my wife the other day, well, you know, I don't watch that channel. Who's watching that channel? She's like, we're not getting rid of that channel. Both your kids <laughs> use that and you know, his girlfriend uses it. So yeah, uh, just know that every dollar counts know what you're spending I uh, know that our planning software right capital can kind of help you look at that look at those subscription-based models which is what society has gone to in the last 10 years and figure out which of those you can reduce and or eliminate and figure out you know where you're wasting money uh, taking a, a couple of minutes uh, is such a rewarding task to go through and figure out, I saved some money here, I saved some money there, I saved some money Absolutely. there. Absolutely. You know, maybe put half of that money back towards your financial future mm -hmm. and take the half the money and go to the next ball game and, you know, <laughs> uh, enjoy life because, you know, nothing's promised for the future. It's a matter of balance that all together. So, again, everything leads towards back of doing that analysis, taking a look, and then figuring out a plan to make sure that uh, you can get things implemented. Nolan Baker, not just talking the talk here on the show, but walking the walk as well, doing the financial planning for himself and his own family. We're not saying here that you should not enjoy yourself in retirement. You know, if you want to go to a ball game here and there, that is your right. You spent all these years working. You should certainly be able to, to reap the fruits of your labor. But make sure you know the actual cost and, you know, decide again if it is of value to you. Uh, if you need help with that, if you want to sit down and, and, and see, you know, what that could be down the line. The team at America's Retirement Headquarters always here for you. All you have to do to get started, give a call, 419-794-3030, or go to the website, arhq.com. And we genuinely do appreciate you taking time out of your week to, to spend with us here on the show. Hopefully you found something here of value when you're ready to have that conversation one more time, 419-794-3030. And we hope you have a great week. Hope you have a safe week out there. And uh, guys, appreciate your time as well. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. Yeah, great quote from John Beckley, and it says, most people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. So have a great week, folks. Uh, we'll see you back, uh, same time, same channel, right here on Toledo's largest talk station, 1370 WSPD. And just remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for 
for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.